Welcome to the What If Podcast with uh, Spencer Worth Davis and Ryan Coffrey. Oh my God. That's Australian. <laughs> Hi. That's Australian. Is that Australian lady slash our good friend of the show, Lydia Eliza? It might be. Fantastic. We may have made a, a, a bunch of new <laughs> oh no. openings. Oh no. <laughs> sounders for the show. I'm nervous for what I'm in for. Well, I'll keep trying them out oh, from week to week. See I'm if, nervous. See if we can settle on one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> or we can rotate through. I like rotating. I don't think we can have her having a bad Australian accent at the beginning of every episode and having her going, oh, that's Australian. I mean, we, we could, could. We could do anything we want. We got many options, bro. We can do anything we want, like have Neighborhood Night In instead of Neighborhood Night Out. What's up? Fuck him. Fuck him. Is your dog participating? My dog is not participating in Neighborhood Night Out right now. Dead dogs ghost block in. Wow. We got a dead dog's ghost blog theme out of the deal, wow. too. Wow. <laughs> wow. That one's coming, wow. That one's coming in a little bit hot. Let me, you want to hear that one more time? Yeah, let's, let's, let's have it the way it was designed to be heard. Dead dog's ghost blog. Little little uh, little electric guitar feedback just humming in there, just so you know, you know it's real. It's authentic, very authentic. My dog is participating without me right now. Wow, you guys, I really am hearing these for the first time, <laughs> and I'm I'm low key a little speechless. It's been a while I, since we've had custom sounder drops from uh, from friends of the show. I figured it'd be a lot more fun if I didn't give you heads up on. Yeah, these. yeah, no, that's mm-hmm. that's great. Um, yeah, what ways is your dog just running around the neighborhood by himself? Yeah, I just open or? the door and tell him to come back later. I mean, he's got ten o'clock curfew. He doesn't have a bucket on anymore. He probably does feel pretty wild and Dude, d- he's been, ding dang free. Yeah, he's been great. He's back to back to being a happy boy. That's good. That's good. He was a he was a sad. Mop, oh, he was the worst. Sad moppy dog, and just like cranky, just too much energy. Yep, stinky, stinky. Got Breathing into a cone all the time, getting wet. You can't pour water into that dropping, bucket. Dropping stuff your dog. in there. No, no, we had to keep him dry for two weeks. It was the worst. But he's he's back at it. He's back and being neighborly. Ryan, we have a very important announcement that we probably should have led with. Uh-oh! We're doing another live show. Uh-oh! In Los Angeles, California on October 30th, 2019. We're coming to your town, Los Angeles. Yeah, if your town is L.A. <laughs> Well, I was speaking specifically to our, well, California-based listeners. Yeah. Some of y'all might not SoCal. be perfectly Los Angeles-based, but might want to make the journey. Satellite, October 30th, uh, we're going to be doing a live show. And Ian Abramson and Dave Stone of, well, Dave of the Boogie Monster podcast, Ian yes. Abramson of brilliant stand-up fame and guy who put the Us music over the Cats trailer fame and went viral uh those guys are gonna be doing some comedy and, and hanging out with us and tickets are on sale right now if you go to our website yeah go yeah buy those and come hang out with us totally and uh for those that do go to the show um we won't have time to do a meet and greet beforehand but um at the show we're gonna let everybody know a bar that we're gonna go to after the show and uh we're just gonna hang out with listeners um drink some beers somewhere in the area so Hell yeah uh we won't we won't publicly announce that uh <clears throat> excuse me until 
until the show itself. But until roughly 10.30 p.m. on October 30th. <laughs> right. But just so you know that there'll be an opportunity to, to hang out because we want to hang out and meet you guys in Los Angeles. So, um, yeah, the best place to go is whatifpodcast.com. There's a link at the very top of the website. It says live in L.A. Just click there uh, and you can grab tickets through that. There's also links in the bios of pretty much all of our social media accounts yep. at this point as well. And in the show notes. And the, in the show notes. For this here podcast. Uh, did we say the date? We said the date, right? Several times, but it's October 30th. That's the <clears> one. <throat> Wednesday, October 30th at the Satellite in Silver Lake. Yeah, so you're going to hear us talking a lot about this between now and then, or I guess until it sells out. If y'all sell it out soon. If you, you want would... us to shut up, just go buy 200 <laughs> tickets real quick. Yeah, that would that would make our hearts sing if you wanted to do that too. But uh, yeah, you'll, you'll be hearing a lot about this, but also go get them now because it might sell out. And... Yeah, who knows? Really, really hard to say. <laughs> we there do... might be 60 of there might be 300 of you. I'm just I'm saying, happy either way. if it's it sells out and you don't get a ticket and you wanted a ticket, you're going to be bummed. So you might as well be true, true, true. first in line. Our guest list is already closed. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Is there anyone on it? Nope. Okay, I was going to say. I closed it with zero entries two months early. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's nobody on our guest list as far as I'm aware. Ryan, we have a couple of voicemails I think we should play. Well, let's freaking do it. Okay. I have got a voicemail! <laughs> brins up, brins up. What's up, guys? This is Koi calling from Asheville. Number one, how have you not commented that I keep using your grins up, grins up introduction? which is literally the most introduction, in, uh, ridiculous thing I've ever heard in terms of a introduction. But I use it in my common day vernacular, and everyone looks, like, uh, looks at me like I'm a, I'm a moron. Anyways, second <laughs> point. Amazing. What would seriously wait, be the wait, likely... Sorry, did we say grins up in a show at You did point? at one point. And I don't know why, and I thought it was weird at the time, and then I think we just never really revisited it. And then this dude has been calling us a few times and always opens with it. Or so we, here we are officially acknowledging that, yes, that is a ridiculous thing to say, and it does make us happy when you say it, and it's not at all surprising that people would look at you like, you're weird if yeah, you say that in because I legit don't even remember saying it or the context I was saying it. It was probably like, how are we? And it was like, we're good, grins up. Like, Right, yeah. Still don't really understand what it means. I mean, I guess it means you're happy. Yeah. Yeah. I like, put your grins up, you know? Like, it's a good day to be <laughs> no, alive. That doesn't clarify anything. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> also, can I just say how happy it makes me that we have infected people's vernacular with some of the goofy also, things? Also, we're, we're sorry? Also, we're sorry. But it also brings me great joy to know that you're bringing that into your friend group and they have to deal with that, too. Okay, there's more of this. All right. What would seriously be the likelihood of you guys coming out to Asheville if I really were to put together some sort of marijuana scavenger hunt? Because uh, me and the boys have been thinking about it, and we'd like you to come visit us. So, I don't know, one to ten, somewhere in there, like a, a scale of one to three, where do you fall? <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks, guys. Hope you're doing well. Late. Is that Corey? Corey Nashville? Uh, is that right? yeah. I don't. Troy. Troy. Corey? Troy. Troy. Start, start it over one more time? We'll see. We'll see. We'll Google see. says Troy, but Google gets things wrong. True. Grins up, grins up. <laughs> What's up, guys? This is Koi calling from. Koi. Koi. I think it's Koi. Okay. Koi. <laughs> I like how quickly Koi went from from a scale of one to ten. Or let's make it easy. Scale of one to three. <laughs> <laughs> so one is no, one two is, is maybe, three is yes. I, yeah, I guess. I mean, he said one to three. He didn't say zero to three. So yeah. one is no, two is maybe, three is yes. Two? Two, I mean, maybe. Short, short answer, honestly, like, if you guys 
want us to come do a show somewhere. Yes. Like, put something together and email us about it, and if it even remotely makes sense, we'll probably do it. Hey, we hit a joint under the table on the stage at this venue, yeah. also, and there's a guarantee. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. If, if we're not going to lose money, I'll go, pers- speaking for myself, if I can break even, I'll go do a show literally anywhere. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hesitate on literally anywhere. Well, you know, but, not like the bottom of the ocean. Nowhere where I'm gonna die. Yeah, and uh, maybe like not your living room for just you, because then I feel like I might die. But you know, like right at at a at a public space. <laughs> hey guys, here's fifteen hundred dollars to sit on my couch and talk at me. Yeah, no, no, thank you. But well, maybe if it's fifteen hundred, <laughs> there's still a number for that. That's true. Hey, that's true. But yeah, I like doing shows. I want to do more shows. Yeah, so yeah. if you guys want us to come to your city and like have experience putting that type of thing together, let's talk about it. Hi, at whatifpodcast.com is the best way to start that conversation. Uh, you can also leave a voicemail like Koi did at 612-246-4614. But really the best way to start an ongoing conversation about us coming to your town is uh, is probably just going to be to shoot us an email there. Okay, we got one more real quick. I... Phenomenal. Hey guys, my name is Olivia. Um, I am a student of anthropology in the state, and I just got done listening to your episode about the elongated souls. It makes me really, really excited that you guys mentioned um, one of my professors, Dr. Martha Alfonso. Um, she is literally the coolest fucking person ever. So nice, so knowledgeable. Um, she's done a lot of other studies on um, ancient bones and whatnot. I'm in Chile also, so if that's something you guys are interested in, at least look it up. Um, she has all of her little, like, study banners and, like, what she's been published in her um, lab, and we have, like, been able to look at actual, like, human bones, and, like, I took an osteology class with her, um, which is about bones, um, so we learned a lot about, like, gold deformation and, like, the ritualistic portion behind it and like what it was for and it sounds like absolutely atrocious but I guess that was the sad of the time um but yeah really cool awesome to hear people that I know represented um but yeah if you want to say hi or whatever um my phone number is 316 nope sorry (laughs) (laughs) uh fuck yeah Lydia thanks for listening I don't remember the context. Olivia. Oh, Olivia. My bad. I thought it was Lydia. I don't remember the context under which we mentioned the professor that she's referring to or her professor. Well, the part where she said what school it was cut out and now I can't remember. It sounded like there was a Zuh at the end, like Zuh, like Zuh, like Arizona State maybe. I don't know. I didn't hear it either. Um, But that's pretty fucking cool. And. You should call us back and remind us what context we mentioned your professor in. Or like, you know, we could probably just go look at our notes or something. That's true. (laughs) Also, I'm sorry for counterbalancing your college education with the blasphemy that we spew. Like, you're getting smarter over there and dumber over here. But thank you for, for, you know, counterweighting your education. You guys are dumb. (laughs) I got got a lot, bro. Oh, my God. I was just going to say, how many of these are there? Many. Also, how did that come up? Was it just like, hey, will you tell us we're dumb in song form? And she said yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys are fucking dumb. 
<laughs> Dude, this is unbelievable. Oh my god. Wow, wow, wee woo. <laughs> All right, shall we? These are gonna get we might only have sounders that are just <laughs> I made two entire new pages today, if that means anything to you. Okay, so for those of you who don't know what <laughs> Spencer's MPC looks like, there are sixteen sounds 16 per page. Cats. So roughly thirty two. Thirty two <laughs> new sounders for the show that are all Lydia and you? Mm-mm. Her. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Maybe that should be the goal is that we get to a point where all of our musical friends are responsible for 100% of the sounders on the show. Right. I think we can Sounds do fun. it. Yeah. We have a lot of musical friends. Mm. All right. Should we actually talk about the thing that we were going to talk about? Dun, dun, dun. Said yes. <laughs> I was going to say Nazis at the end of that, but. Mm, I mean, sort of. They make an appearance. Let's be honest. I think that might be a first for us and. Probably a last, honestly. But yeah, uh, we talked about the Nazis when we talked about uh, moon bases, Antarctic, Antarctic. Uh, I was going to say Antarctic bases. Mm. I don't remember moon base Nazi talk. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think I probably skirted that one. <laughs> uh, I, I also was going to have you pull from. Have you ever seen the movie Snatch? Yeah, but a long time ago. There's this. There's this part in it where Jason Statham refers to. Uh, the Germans, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was just gonna have you pull oh, out so every sure, time sure. we talk about them attacking, we could just say the Germans. But I also was like, nah, we don't really want to reference those guys anyway. So fuck them. Fair. Germany, you're fine. The Nazis, absolutely not. Correct. Uh, so we're talking about the Amber Room. We got a we got a historical disappearance mystery heist situation on our hands. Do you want to make a room out of amber? Because that's how you get dinosaurs. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> pretty sure a lot of mosquitoes in that amber. Pretty sure it's not true. I don't know. They don't just in like Jurassic Park tell spontaneously generate dinosaurs. But there's a lot of locations for people to farm dinosaurs out a, of an amber room. You need at least one Jeff Goldblum and at least one Newman in order to get dinosaurs. That's true. And one island. Yes. Preferably an island. <laughs> Right. Or your dinosaurs. You don't want to release dinosaurs into Europe. Oh boy. That bad, would be a mess. Uh, you wanna you wanna tell us about the basics of the amber room? Well, first, can I tell you about some basics of amber? That's probably a better place to start. Do you know what amber is? Now I do. Okay, I did. I, I also <laughs> needed a reminder. Um, it is essentially fossilized tree sap. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, resin. Is there a difference between sap and resin? I think it's the same thing. Okay. I could be wrong. I, th- I thought they were synonyms. Synonyms. You guys are dumb. <laughs> so applicable. <laughs> so applicable. Um, yeah, amber is solidified, fossilized tree resin or sap. And it has remarkable preservation qualities because yes. historically it was a solid, or excuse me, historically it was a liquid. And over the fossilization process became a solid, thereby encapsulating whatever was in the liquid at the time. Right. Which, when it's a tree, could be everything from chunks of bark to mosquitoes to any bugs. Sloths. Sloths. Sloth (laughs) encapsulate. That'd be a big piece of amber. Well, you're going to need some big chunks if you're making a whole room. That's true. Um, but amber does not always contain animals and other things. Some of it is just... 100% of the time, you got a sloth in there. 
Ten out of ten pieces of amber contain sloths. Might be Maybe very, not a whole one, but at least a partial sloth. Very small sloth. A sloth toe. <laughs> yeah. Just a single toenail. Um, but yeah, so because of its inherent properties, which I did not fully understand, it's actually not very dense. Okay. So amber floats on water. Uh, because Both it's as a liquid and solid. Uh, no, I think just as a solid. I mean, if it was a liquid, it would just, I think, like fall apart and mix in to a liquid. It's water soluble. Maybe. <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Fair. I don't know. Also not relevant. Keep going. I, I just know that, um, pieces of it actually will float. So over time as, um, as rock is sort of chipped away in water areas, uh, there will be pieces of amber that then float to the surface. In fact, most amber that's been harvested in the world has been harvested from liquid sources. Skimming a lake. Yeah, so there's like erosion that occurs. The erosion gets into pockets of amber where there are fossilized trees. That amber then bubbles up to the surface, and then it's netted off of the top and harvested, and turned into things historically primarily a lot of jewelry because it's pretty it reflects light it's see-through it's got this nice you know gold gold, gold color and um and also too it's interesting to look at because frequently there were bugs and leaves and interesting things you know encapsulated in it which is harder to obviously tell if you're looking at a rock or other things so uh a lot of amber like i said comes out of water there is a particular body of water that has produced more amber to our knowledge than any other uh, body of water in the world, and that is the Baltic Sea. The Baltic Sea alone has produced 60,000 tons of amber harvested from that area. And And it all went into this one room in Prussia. (laughs) And the Baltic Sea is right next to Prussia. Russia, Germany, right in that area. Yes. And yes, not all of it, but a handful of those tons. Yeah. In uh, 1701, the Prussians started making this room decorated almost entirely with amber, uh, also with gold leaf, uh, lots of mirrors, some statues covered in gold leaf. Candlelight. Hundreds of candles. Murals. It was a big ceiling mural. Yep. And um, they made it, or made these panels, sort of like giant mosaic tiles out of the amber that then were hung onto the walls. So I don't know, did you find a account of how many panels it was originally? I did not. I can I can give you the volume. Okay. We could actually probably, well... I'm not going to try to do math live on the air, but <laughs> the the version of it I found was that the room itself was 590 square feet. Okay. And the volume of amber. Wait. Really? The original one was? Mm-hmm. Because I had 180 for the original room, and then when it moved in 1760, in the 1760s, it was moved to a bigger room. You're right. That's right. Okay. There was a very original room that was smaller. And then they reformat it. And I think they added more amber when they when they rebuilt it. They added a lot of stone mosaics at that point, too. Okay. So I don't know if they increased the, the amount of amber or if they just like just spaced stone. it out to cover more area. Got it. Got but it. But the, these panels originally were built and hung on the walls so that all of the walls were completely covered. Yeah. Uh, floor to ceiling, 
either with these panels or with mirrors, gold leaf, and other decorative aspects sort of between them. We don't have any photos of this that have survived. Well, I don't think... Did we have photography in 1701? Well, no, but it was... It was around as late as the early 1900s. Yeah. The, well, not the very original one. Right. So the, it was, it's, they started building it in, uh, 1701, um, at the Charlotte, mm, Charlottenburg palace, home of Frederick the first, the first King of Prussia. And it took eight years to make, uh, it was designed by a German sculptor, uh, and constructed by a Danish craftsman. And they finished it in 1709, but it was only in that location for seven years before it moved to Russia. Yes. And then it was there for a long time. And that was where the one in Russia that had lived until the mid-1900s right. was the one that was 590 square feet. Yes. And, and included that- stone mosaics and other additional features and was a meditation room for is it queen catherine is that right uh so it moved to saint petersburg and uh yeah it was for catherine right i think that's right yeah um and it lived there until the 40s yes when world war ii happened and shit started getting chaotic in that part of the world. One thing I want to say about the room, because I had never seen pictures of it until I started doing research. And if you've never seen pictures of it while you're listening to this right now, it is from everything that we can gather. So is it, I guess it's not really a spoiler to say that later on a recreation of this room was made that is still exists today. There is a current yeah, version of it or a, a uh, replica, I guess that, you can go see. Yeah. And and find photos of. Yeah, and to their best they tried to replicate the building styles, the carving techniques, mm-hmm. the amber pieces as if they were originally how it was constructed. And I want to be honest, it's pretty fucking magnificent. Like we're talking about, you know, some of the some of the ceilings on these look to be in like the 30 to 40 feet tall range. I mean, they're these are cavernous palace rooms, even though the square footage might not be very huge. They're super duper tall. They extend really high. The The level of detail in these is insane. It's super duper ornate. Well, the original these, took eight years to make for a 180 square foot room. Right. And you're talking about these little tiny pieces of amber that they're, you know, meshing together. And to your point, the sculptures, like it's, it's a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, I I just want to try to get that across because it's not just like they meshed, you know, amber stones together and put them up on the walls. It's like very, very elaborate, very intricate, super tall, really big panels. The The magnitude of this thing is pretty fucking impressive. Yeah. Yeah. They used in the original six tons of amber in one room. And That's 13,000 pounds of amber in yes. one room. Yes. And also shout out to whoever made that building to support all of that weight in that one room. <laughs> right. Right. And the other thing that's pretty interesting about it too is like if you if you take into consideration the fact that the density of amber is light enough that it floats on water, 
Think about how much amber that would have to be to create that much weight. Right. Like 13,000 pounds of that stuff that just floats on water is going to be a fucking shitload of amber. Yeah. Uh, the original was valued in today's dollars. I've seen anywhere between 200 and $500 million. Yeah, I've seen in, those too. In current U.S. dollars. Uh, so in the 40s, uh, specifically in June of 41... The Nazis started invading the Soviet Union. Dicks! And along the way, looted tens of thousands, some estimates are up closer to a million individual works of art and pieces of cultural significance. And that's just from anywhere they went being dicks in the world? That's not just from, um, like, Russia, Prussia... Right. Soviet. That, so that was after, from June of 41 until the end of the war. Got it. That That's the estimated Anywhere number. Anywhere they of, had been, they yeah. collected that many. Yeah. My, uh, my. But also, it's impossible to ever, like, really know that number because a lot of that stuff wasn't found. Right. My idiocy is going to shine here as it relates to World War II era geography. Great. Uh, but. Were Russia and Prussia simultaneously countries at the time? And was the Berlin in Prussia the same Berlin that's currently in Germany at the time? Uh, I think Prussia stopped being a country prior to World War II, just barely. Okay. I could and probably should have looked this up in advance of this, but that was just, I was just curious about. Um, Let's see. I will probably continue oh, no. making okay, so bad they, mistakes. They lost independence in 1934 and then officially were abolished. I don't exactly know what that means in 47. So that would have been two years after the war. I don't know enough to give you any more information about how that happened or the specifics of it. It doesn't seem like you can abolish a country, can you? Well, can a yes. country abolish itself? We don't uh, want to be here anymore. Uh, let's see. The kingdom ended in 1918, along with other German monarchies that re- that collapsed as a result of the World German War Revolution. I? Okay. Oh, was that uh, World War One? So that would have been around the same time. 2018 or 2018? Jesus Christ. Um, the free state of Prussia lost its legal and political importance following the 1932 coup. Subsequently, it was effectively dismantled into Nazi German in Nazi Germany in 1935. Okay. So pre-war. And then it was officially abolished by an allied declaration in 1947. Okay. So after the war, the allies said, you're not a country anymore. I see. It was like a you fucked up. You don't get to be a thing anymore. We're we're telling you where you live now. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, don't be a dick. Hey, it's just me checking in to tell you guys you fucking suck. <laughs> so anyway, they uh this is going to do wonders for our self-esteem. We beat ourselves up and now we just have a third-party voice telling us we're fucking idiots all the time. In 41, Nazis uh, invaded 
Soviet Union and along the way looted a whole bunch of art and artifacts and anything of cultural significance. I learned a thing about that mm-hmm. in my research, which was that there were specific divisions of the Nazi military that that was their task to find and secure cultural artifacts cultural artifacts and valuable things and like yeah. and not even just not even just like go see what you find but literally like okay we're invading this country or this city or this whatever what from our research do we know are things of yeah. monetary value and cultural significance and then creating actual plans to go get those things which was crazy i guess my sorry i mean to cut you off i just the my understanding of it was always it was just spoils of war for them mm. like there was plunder along the way i didn't realize it, it was, was so it aggressively was targeted and calculated and it makes it so much more gross and then i learned too that hitler was doing a lot of that specific targeted stuff because he had this grand fucking vision of a museum in his i don't know i guess i don't know where like the true Nazi home base was, but some city in Germany where he wanted to basically put up the world's art museum and be like, I fucking conquered all this shit and look at all the cool shit I took from all over the world. Well, I I think the Amber room was, uh, especially significant in that regard because they believed it was rightfully German since it was designed and built by, uh, a German and a Danish dude. And I think, if memory serves, it was done in Berlin, Prussia, which I think if it's still the same Berlin, would have been Berlin, Berlin, Germany at the time. So they're going, this was designed here by it's, a German dude, and now you have it, give it back. So yeah, on several layers, that being one of them, two being this thing is worth hundreds of millions of dollars, Right. three being fuck you, Soviet Union, we're going to take things that are important to you sh- in addition to whatever else whatever other horrible things we can do right because there's because there's also the significance of like this is in your royal you know this is in your royal fucking castle so we can we can say like we you know we gutted your yeah your royal buildings so as uh nazi forces were moving into pushkin which is where um the amber room was at the time in the in the catherine palace they tried to, the, the Russians, the Soviets tried to disassemble and hide the panels and the individual components of the room. But it, it was, what, 200 and some years old at that point, 220, 230 years old. Right. And the amber was dried and crumbling and they were worried that they were going to ruin it by disassembling and crating it. So they tried to wallpaper over it? Yeah. I saw a bunch of different accounts of this. I'm curious to what you saw was the uh, was the primary mode of this. The primary mode? Or well, I... You so, mean, like, how did they accomplish this? Yeah, I saw, I saw a version of this where they used, like, cotton batting mm. over the top of it, I think, to try to make a flush surface. Because there was okay. so much ornate carving and 
candelabras and sculptures and shit. Right, you'd have to come out pretty far into the room to be able right. to get a flat surface. Or if you just wallpapered over it, it would just look like, what's that thing breaking through the wallpaper? Now that gold statue is a paper mache statue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they're like, you should pull that off so we can see what that is. <laughs> so I guess they tried to use cotton batting to try to make a flush, flat surface and then wallpaper over that. Also, to be fair, it didn't work. No. No. <laughs> Shockingly, that was not effective. I mean... I can imagine even the very best version of this technique is not disguising anybody. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. So the Germans Stop obviously fooling anybody with figured out. It's the the account I read said within 36 hours had packed it into crates, <laughs> had had found it, disassembled it, and packed it within the first day and a half. So that's a hell of a game of hide and seek. Uh, the, okay, so here's the thing I don't understand about that part of this, though. Yep. And I've read this in a bunch of the different accounts of this. There's the whole, we we had to wallpaper over it and hide it because if we took it down and tried to hide it, we were going to break it. But then the Germans But then the Germans came in and they were like, we got this. In 12 hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like in 24 hours, they were able to crate it and put it on trains and send it back to Germany. Like, it doesn't quite add up, no. Maybe they were less concerned about preserving it. Sure. Like, fuck it, cut them in half, split them in half, we'll figure it if out it later. Breaks, just throw all the pieces in a crate. And we'll just do, we'll deal with it later. Maybe, I don't know. Because I, well, and you're going to, never mind. You're getting where we're going. But yeah, anyway, I just, I felt like there was a disconnect there in the story of... Oh God, it's so precious. We can't possibly touch it. It's crumbling and falling apart to, and in 36 hours, the it Germans had it. It was on a train and, and ready yeah, to go. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know the specifics of that part. Um, but it fit into 27 crates and was shipped by train to Kaliningrad, Germany, and was apparently reinstalled in, uh, the, so it used to be Konigsberg. Now Kaliningrad, uh, Germany, they their castle museum along the Baltic coast. So they were able to apparently reassemble and reinstall it. The version of it I read was that there was actually a a supervisor of it who was a trained amber like that, jeweler or something. Is that Alfred Rohde? Yes. Yeah. That he was trained in um amber construction or sculpting or whatever the title i saw for him was amber aficionado yes that's <laughs> that's a good way to put it i don't know if that's an official title or not but <laughs> i also i feel like that'd be a very nazi thing to do to be like hey we got to put this thing back together hey man you ever seen amber before oh yeah i love that stuff come here <laughs> got a job for you you're an aficionado now you're an aficionado also put together this room full of fucking six tons of amber or we're going to kill you. Do you think I could call myself an archipelago aficionado? You can now. I didn't think I'd be able to say that. I just kind of surprised myself. <laughs> I thought for sure that was going to go off the rails by the end of the like third syllable. I suppose about to spike the mic and walk out of the room like we're done here for the That's day. That's the high point of me being on this podcast. <laughs> I said ever. archipelago aficionado and didn't fuck it up. Hell yeah. Uh, no, I think you are now officially because you've said, it, yeah. <laughs> you've said it so well so many times. Archipelago? Yes. I sort of understand what now it is, Now you're too. just flexing on it. You're like, oh, you mean That's the word. That's because I'm an arch- aficionado <laughs> of archipelagos. An archipelago <laughs> aficionado, if you will. If you will. Oh, yeah! Ooh, that might have to be the next t-shirt. <laughs> archipelago, archipelago aficionado. aficionado. <laughs> 
Yes. Can someone do that with like an, an island chain behind it? Just Ooh. arcing its way Ooh. across the shirt? Yes. Ooh, can it be in like a very, uh, like a very like corny tiki, like tiki bar font? Ooh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but you're starting to lose me. I think that could be pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Maybe if it were like a V-neck baseball tee. Then, I'm, then I'd be Ooh, back on board. With like some white stripes on yeah, the sleeves? Yeah. Yeah, yeah boy. <laughs> Number one on the back. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, maybe it's the team, the Archipelago Aficionados. Whoa. You playing rec league ball this year? If I get the call, man. We might, we might have to switch it up from stroking threes and smoking trees because we don't really do either of those things anymore. <laughs> <laughs> We've oh, fallen man. off since we were 21. Also, nothing would be funnier than making opponents and referees and scorekeepers at Rec League Ball say Archipelago aficionados as many as possible as many mm. times as possible. It's better than when our team name gets cut off before the uh the threes part because it doesn't fit on the score sheet. Perfect. So most games it says smoking trees and stroking. <laughs> which is honestly probably closer to what we do these days anyway. Oh my god. <laughs> Our, our name is too long for the score sheet. That's so bad. How many? Yeah, that's really bad. How many teams walk up to sign the scorecard and they're like, "Ugh." Well, I mean, at least you don't. You probably don't want to guard us. It's <laughs> true. It's true. I'm not pushing up on These that. These guys dude. are nasty, man. I don't even know. They're nasty. What the fuck? <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Boom! Oh my god, dude! Unbelievable! Unbelievable! All right, so it was, uh, yeah. In from forty one to forty three, it was on display at that museum. In forty three, uh, at the recommendation of Alfred Rohde, it was dismantled and crated again. Do you, what was that recommendation about? I think, and I'm I'm sort of assuming slash speculating that it was uh, based on the the health of the panels. Okay. In terms of, um, I guess, their structural integrity and and whatnot. Got it. I did not... That they would, would be better preserved by not being on display. Was that successfully achieved? What, packing it up? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was. That's, yeah. Interesting. I, I just we didn't see We don't really know that. what happened to it after that. I just didn't see that in my, uh, in my research. Yeah, I'm not so, saying it didn't happen. I just I didn't know that. I thought it was still intact in the castle. No, so towards the end of 43, it was packed up. And then by August of 44, the city and museum were bombed and basically razed. So there's like a nine, ten month gap there. Got it. Where it was packed and presumably at this museum and then that whole area was destroyed museum included was the museum the Kenningsburg castle where those, was those the same thing uh yeah okay yep so is that right Kenningsburg is it Konigsberg Kenningsburg I don't know we're gonna get a hundred emails from me asking that one question our <laughs> but I deserve our, it our resident German speaker is not here right oh, now yep good point she's a with Dog Dude at National Night Out. Night out. Yes. Um, so the official, I guess, or presumption or the most likely explanation for where what happened to this thing or where it went is that it was destroyed when they were bombed. 
Yeah, and one of the things that uh, I found out in my research that I did not know is, but it makes a lot of sense, Amber is highly flammable because it's basically like fossilized sugar, I guess. It wouldn't just melt, though? It actually... No, it like starts on fire. Like I found videos of people taking pieces of amber and holding a match to them for a couple seconds and pulling it off, and it actually burns until it melts. Huh. Okay. So the melting point is higher than its burning point? I don't know. Yes. Or it melts while it burns? You looking for a dumb? You guys are dumb. <laughs> you guys are fucking dumb. They work really well back to oh, back. Oh, they too. do. Uh, it's an escalation mm-hmm. of uh, stupidity. I mm-hmm. love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the the version I saw was essentially if you're gonna if you're gonna bomb the shit out of, so this is it's very likely to burn right during a bombing. This yeah. is Russia coming back at Germany after Correct. Germany had come at Russia to come get the Amber Room. Well, not exclusively for that yeah. purpose, but <laughs> yes, I'm talking about. The, During the invasion in which they took the Amber Room. Yes, and now the war is being waged back the other direction. Germany's about to lose. Germany's about to lose. They're bombing Königsberg. Obviously, buildings are going to start on fire in the process of being bombed. Right. And it starts on fire. Well, ostensibly, it starts on fire, melts, and is unfindable because, you know, wooden because crates and yeah. amber and whatever. Uh, the There are a couple of reasons that... There is some uncertainty or suspicion around what actually happened. Questions. Though. Yeah. Um, one being that that gap in time between it being packed up and the bombing. Nine right. months would be plenty of time to move that to a different or more secure or underground location. Right. And if you were packing it up with the intent of keeping it safe... And you knew that you were in a war that was not going your way. Right. You may have taken steps to preserve it somewhere. Right. Um, another reason is that some eyewitnesses claim to have seen the room being loaded onto the Wilhelm Gustloff, which was a uh, a ship, which was the only the only source I could find said promptly torpedoed and <laughs> sunk by a Soviet submarine. It makes it sound like just right out out of the dock. Cartoonish, like, we got to get out of here. Boom. So it's maybe at the bottom of the ocean because that shipwreck has not been recovered. Yes. Um, There's also the fact that in 1997, a mosaic from the Amber Room was auctioned in Germany and verified as actually being from... The Amber Room. Is this the one that was found in Italy? Mm, no, I don't or is think this so. A separate one. No, this was from '97. It's one of the. It's not one of the amber mosaics. It's one of the stone mosaics that was added when it was moved in uh, seventeen whatever sixteen. Yes, and or somewhere between seventeen sixteen and seventeen sixty something. I'm sorry, I fucked that up. The stone that was used in the stone mosaic pieces was Italian stone. Got it. But it wasn't found in Italy. So this was auctioned off in Germany in the in 1997, and they traced it back to likely having come from a German soldier 
who stole it while moving it to Germany the first time from St. Petersburg. Mm. So, so not necessarily that it would have survived the bombing in 44. Sure. But that it never made it to the installation in Germany in 41. Got it. And he's like, we pilfered this thing anyway. Nobody's going to know if it's missing one piece of stone. I guess. Seems ballsy, but... And by the time this was auctioned in 97, this soldier that they believe took it, whose, I think, son had it, was no longer alive. So, so they couldn't even ask him. Yeah. Um, so not necessarily indicative of any piece of this surviving past 1944. Right. But also sort of curious. Right. Um, Something survived past 1944. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then we have people more recently who claim to have ideas or information about where it might currently be. Sure. I don't know if we want to get into that stuff just yet. Uh, I mean, there's not a ton left in the story itself, okay. right? Well, I don't know. Do you have anything else in terms of... Um, I guess maybe one one point before that. You mentioned earlier that the Russians have now built a recreation of the room. Yes. That is uh, visible to the public since 2004. Yes. The plans for that started in 1979. It seems a little odd that if the Russians believed that this room or the panels or any piece of it survived that as early as 79 they would have begun rebuilding it say more about that um like what's i think it's very possible slash maybe most likely that the russians destroyed their own artifact while bombing the germans yep um knew that were aware of that Realized they fucked up, did not want to publicly admit to fucking up. Yep. And if you really didn't know where it was and had any reason to believe that it still existed, 30, 35 years later, you probably wouldn't be throwing tens of millions of dollars at building a recreation of it. Sure. You're saying you'd be... You might be dedicating more of that time and money to finding what's left of this thing. To finding it. Yep. Unless you knew that it didn't exist because you yourselves destroyed it. Yeah. But that's a tough thing to admit to the public. For sure. And I think there there is a lot of, like in a lot of the stories about this, there is a lot of speculation around, well, did the Germans destroy it? Well, I why know, I don't know why they would have though. No, I know, but like that's what the converse, the conversation is like. Did the Germans destroy it? Did the Germans destroy it accidentally? Did the Germans destroy it on purpose? Did the Soviets destroy it accidentally? Did the Soviets destroy it on purpose? Did the Germans want to make it seem like the Soviets destroyed it, but they but they didn't and they hid it? Did the Soviets yeah. want to make it seem like the Germans destroyed it, but they didn't, but the Soviets recovered maybe like some of it and then they used some of it to build their recreation room. Like there's a lot of, he said, she said back and forth. There's some speculation too, that the the Nazis may have 
built their own recreation of it, and that's what was destroyed by the Soviets in 44. Oh, that's interesting. And that the original is still stashed somewhere else. As in they used the pieces of the Soviet version of it that they had pilfered to inspire a new version, and that was the version that Alfred or, um, or Albert... Or basically they set up a decoy to more efficiently hide the original, more valuable one. That's interesting. Like if you're going to come get it... You're going to destroy this cheap decoy version of it. Sure. And the original is somewhere else packed away safely. God, that seems like a lot of work to do in like not a very long period of time, though. Well, I guess it depends on how how cheaply it was done. And yeah, I mean, it, the original sounds like it was mostly done by two people, and it took eight years. Right. If, if you have a couple hundred people working on something, I'm sure you could get something done in a couple. In they had three, three or four years. years. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess they weren't limited by resources, right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I just, we we know for a fact that the Nazis were like very preoccupied with and de- dedicated to acquiring and stashing, sometimes in very secretive ways. Right. Works of art, work, works of cultural significance. Right. And that sometimes those things have either remained hidden forever or for a very long time. Yeah. I came across a wild story uh, from a few years ago, I think 2014, of, um, yeah, 2014. German authorities found more than a thousand looted paintings in an apartment in Munich. I'm sorry, what was that? In 2014, after four years of working on this case, German authorities found more than a thousand looted paintings worth an estimated $1.3 billion in one dude's apartment in Munich. Oh, my God. <laughs> I feel like we need to do an entire episode about yeah, we that fucking story. We definitely story. don't have time to do this whole story now. Um, if you want more information about it, Google Cornelius Gurlitt, G-U-R-L-I-T-T. Or but, you can hear us talking about this on an episode soon because sure. that sounds fucking awesome. He had in his like 1,000-square-foot Munich apartment 121 framed and 1,285 unframed artworks, which included paintings by Picasso, Matisse, Renoir, Chagall, Otto Dix, like the the A list of all A list. 185 unframed paintings. Mm -hmm. What is your plan, my guy? Well, they had all been get your paintings here. They had all been looted. During the war, yeah, or around the war, uh, primarily by his father. Oh, yikes! Who was a German Jew who seemed to just be playing Both all sides? sides of everything. Whoa, crazy! And this dude, uh, the first tip off was he was coming back into Germany from Switzerland, okay, and acting weird on a train. And then had like twelve grand in cash on him and couldn't say where it came from. Ah. And German authorities are like, well, I guess that's not illegal, but it's weird, so we're going to keep an eye on you. Yeah. And couldn't find anything on this dude. He had never had an address. He had never had a job. He had never had a bank account. And he was like 85. Whoa. And he was 
obviously pretty well to do. And he just been selling a couple paintings a year for his whole life off of his dad. And then one went to auction in I think 2012 and sold for like a million and a half or something. And somebody's like, "Hey, where'd you get that painting?" Well, part of the I think they like they followed the money and part of it went to I'm not going to remember now. But part of the the sale was paid out as part of like a civil suit settlement to the family of the artist or like the family of someone that it was looted for. And so like they tied it into looted artwork. Whoa. And then tied it into he had possession of it and then tied it into we know his dad looted paintings during the war. Damn. And this dude has a really nice apartment in Munich and a shitload of money. And they eventually got him on, got a warrant off of like, um, suspicion of like tax evasion or something. I would read this book in a heartbeat. Yeah. If this was a book, I would read it. So it was a, it took four years to get a warrant to search his apartment and they found a billion and a half dollars worth of art in this dude's thousand square foot apartment. Wow. What a fucking trip. So that stuff had been hidden for 80 years. Right. Like it's definitely right. possible. And that's, you know, we're talking Picassos and Matisse's, like not well, low level shit by any no. means. No. And we're also talking about in that specific situation, we're talking about stuff that's been hidden. I mean, I would say very much in plain view. Like, I don't know how long he's been in that apartment or where it was before it made its way to his apartment, but right. essentially in very plain view. And I'm sure what about, other art dealers and people in that world knew yeah yeah you'd have to right i mean where do you think this shit is coming from and especially if you know who his dad was right but then but then if you take into consideration all of the stuff that to your point from earlier it was hidden and never found or destroyed and never found and we don't know what that percentage is right i mean we as far as i can tell there is pretty decent documentation that the nazis hid stuff and i think didn't we know that for a fact. Yeah, and didn't document where they hid shit. They just right. stashed stuff and were like, hey, as long as some of us know. putting stuff at the bottom know, of lakes and like... Yeah, right, right. Like that type of thing. Place. Which I think is 100% a big chunk of the fuel around this is like, if you believe that there was a 10-month gap between them putting this shit in boxes... And it just sat in the and museum? And they just let it sit there? Right. I mean... It's, Knowing the value of it, both monetarily and culturally and depending on what stage the war was at i can definitely see that being a possibility maybe I mean, it was 40, I'm, I'm not a, a war historian by any means but i think by the end of 44 they kind of knew they were cooked right right but i guess what i'm saying is like depending on how much they knew like they were cooked in the 10 month gap there might have been unsafe to move it or not a priority to move it because they oh. were moving other things i was going the other way of you're trying to salvage whatever you can before you are officially cooked and the war is over and you're, you know, you're handing, yeah. you're handing things over and you're being tried for war crimes. I guess I can see it more, though, as like, look, fucking, we're fucked. Like, leave the six-ton amber room, grab, grab some other shit and get the fuck out of here kind of thing. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I just, I guess I can see both sides of it where it's like they could have for sure moved it and sent it. I mean, fucking anywhere. I don't know. Yeah. They had there's, webs in that fucking area that were crazy at the time. There's one theory that it went out on a train shipment, like un, unannounced, unaccounted for, with um, 
I'm not going to remember the name of it now, but the Nazis were building these giant guns that r- rode on railways. Uh, oh, yeah. And shot 16,000 pound rounds. They were the biggest guns ever made. 16,000 pound rounds? Or 1,600? Maybe 1,600 makes more sense. 16,000 can't be right. Okay. What the fuck? <laughs> okay. I was like, that wait was a, a minute. little long. I might need to trim that one. That's all good. Uh, I was like, that's a multi ton. 1600, mission. I believe. Okay, is all correct. right. Um, Still fucking insane. But for a second, I was like, Jesus but so Christ. They, they moved, they built two of these things and moved the components of them to be assembled. In each one took 27 train cars. And there's some speculation that these crates of the Amber Room stuff was just kind of sneaked in. in along with that. Um, I don't remember right now, though, where that stuff was headed. There's also, I mean, again, like, I'm not a war historian either, but how many Nazi trains were probably bombed by the Allies at some point, you know? Like, yeah, could that shit have been on a train going somewhere, gotten bombed and destroyed and scattered in a field and, like, or or started on fire and burned until it melted into the ground and nobody knew no, like nobody was the wiser, you know. By far, the most likely outcome is that this thing is destroyed. But it is it is understandable, in my opinion, why uh, why there are questions about it, and why, especially given what we know about the Nazi habits of hiding the valuable shit that they took, as well as the weird gap of time around a thing that again is worth potentially two hundred to five hundred million dollars in today's money, that they were like, yeah. Um, this seems a little weird. Throw it on that other train full of gold going out to the middle of nowhere and maybe we'll come get it later. Right, yeah. right. Or bury it somewhere and if we need money down the road, we'll come dig it up. Dig it up and sell the amber for I don't know how you dinosaurs. Would, yeah, I don't know how you would sell the components of something like that. Like I get hiding gold and paintings even and stuff like that, but right. like a one-off, I mean, I guess paintings are one-off too, but a one-off specific installation like that that's also you know thousands of pounds worth of stuff in 27 crates like who are you selling that to right and it doesn't seem to have nearly as much value if maybe if any value if it's just sold off in like well some value but you know what i mean like it's it doesn't have nearly the same value if it's sold off in small pieces selling big chunks of amber yeah Yeah. like if you're just like here's a here's a broken piece of amber. I mean, I guess, you know, a jeweler might buy that for some money, but it's not like it's... Well, if you got six tons of it, I mean, I guess you can probably figure something out. probably but... find a profit in there eventually. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't either. I think I... it's probably gone, but it's fun to speculate about. It is. It definitely is. That, that last part also, too, is another reason why I'm like, would the Germans have destroyed it? Like, if they knew they were cooked and they're like, shit, we can't really make any money off of this because we don't know how we would sell it, would they just be like, as, fuck as just you? a fuck you to the Soviets? Yeah, like, fuck you, this is ours, maybe. and we're going to go out the way we want to go out. If we can't have it, nobody will. I mean, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know what? Fuck the Nazis, just in case that wasn't clear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fuck, fuck them. Um, hey, it's just me checking in to tell you guys you fucking suck. That was not, not to us. <laughs> Those guys. Yeah. Those guys fucking suck. Quickly before we go. Yes. I went to Milwaukee over the weekend. Oh. And I bought, I bought myself a blue moon. Uh-oh. <laughs> Wait. Let's talk about it. It was not pleasant. It was not pleasant. Mm-mm. But it was not trash? I drank it. Well. 
I drank a Miller Lite later and preferred the Miller Lite. Well, you and I have also drank a lot of Miller Lights together. <laughs> goddamn, goddamn right. In our lifetime, you and I have drank a lot of Miller Lights together. Also, uh, final final tally on our band polls. Uh-oh. Um, what do we got? Well, you guys like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, apparently. All right. Let me pull up the actual numbers. All right. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers finished at um, 62% good. 38% bad. I think, I mean, I got to say, I think certifiably that's not trash. I Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I know you don't like that answer, but I think that's the answer. And Sublime came in at 41% good, 59% bad. All right. So you win some, you lose some, I guess. <laughs> you win some, you lose some. <laughs> more, the fact that more of you like the Red Hot Chili Peppers than dislike Sublime is, is that, a little disappointing is that to me. You out? Just a little. It's close enough that I'm not going to think too hard about it. Look, it guys, me, it doesn't make me a little sad. Though. I just want to let you guys know that whatever you do, you should follow your heart, and if things bring you joy, <laughs> you should indulge in them as much as you want to. All right, don't let don't let him steer you. If you like that song, hey, you play that song, you sing I, that song. And if it's any consolation today, I was at a coffee shop, and <laughs> Jolene came on. Yes, and the person. Working the register, went over and immediately changed the song, <laughs> and I got real mad. <laughs> Take I mean, from that what you will. That's a good song. Jolene's a good okay. song. Okay. Well, now I don't know anymore. <laughs> I've had all these opinions about things that I guess are all wrong, and now I just don't trust myself. You thought we're universal, and then you were like, wait. <laughs> I thought everybody hated Sublime, and it turns out only 59% of you do. I mean, I feel like Jolene is even more of a... Like, that's more of a widely held kind of classic song. Uh, we got another poll to put up, I guess. By a classic artist. Is, is Jolene a good song or a bad song? All right. Now we, we're going to find out. We'll see you on Twitter, gang, at WhatIfPod. <laughs> uh, if you want to vote on whether or not Jolene's a good song, uh, at WhatIfPod. If you want to follow us on Insta or the Twitter or any of that shit, uh, it's hi at WhatIfPodcast.com. If you want to send us an email, and it's 612-246-4614 if you want to leave us a voicemail. Uh, thanks for all the kind reviews y'all been putting in. Those have been nice. Uh, if you want extra episodes of the show, it's patreon.com slash what if podcast. Excuse me, what if pod. Uh, you get an extra episode every week for just five bucks a month. Uh, we're going to LA. Go to whatifpodcast.com live in LA. Buy those tickets. Buy those tickies. Sell that shit out. We'll see you there. Love you. Bye.